such an honor for me to introduce you to Michael Nephew. You know, there are many reasons why we don't see Native American schools or a senior center or cemeteries or even a Maryland museum that interprets the lifestyles and traditions of the tribes from Ocean City to Hagerstown and to Northeast and all points in between, like a Maryland Native American museum we don't have. But, and I don't want to get into all the reasons why, but part of the reason is because generally indigenous culture and spirituality are fundamentally incompatible with capitalism. As an example, the great Paiute prophet Wavoka once said, my young men shall never farm. Men who work the soil cannot dream, and wisdom comes to us in dreams. You ask me to dig the ground for gold and be rich like the white man, but would I cut my mother's body in her grave and fondle with her bones? So it's one thing to understand these things intellectually, but you guys are really, really in for something special because you're about to understand this from the heart when you hear Michael speak. In the words before all else, which you are about to hear, the law of the land, the great law of peace, which existed prior to colonization, is explained for everyone who gathers. And rather than pledge allegiance to a flag or predict uh, the future or ask for forgiveness of sins, in this instance, your role and duty as a human being is explained. And so what you are about to hear are essentially instructions for life. And thus, words like these, which, would be, which you would have heard every day and perhaps several times a day, are now something that only a privileged few are lucky to experience in a lifetime. And to experience them in the native language is even more an exceptional experience. Now in tragedy, there is every opportunity to learn. And it is a great mystery why all these things have happened. But I am about to introduce to you a man who has decided in the face of this tragedy to live his life in a good way one that honors those who have gone before and provides a way for those to come. Michael Nephew is a member of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians. He is also of Seneca and Cayuga descent. He grew up in Western New York on the Catarugas Indian Territory and is a traditional dancer. He was president of the American Indian Society of Washington, D.C. from 1994 to 2011, and is currently the first vice president of AIS. 
He is also the descendant of two great chiefs, corn planter and black snake. And Michael is as responsible as anyone for the revival of this tradition. You have a copy of the words he's about to speak. The proper response, if you agree, is to say, no. Everybody say that, yo. Ladies and gentlemen, it is such an honor and a privilege for me to introduce you to Michael Nephew. So uh, the very first part of what I said is, now, now you all have a good ear. It has become my duty to gather the words in front of the message he has given us, our creator, and so that it will be that way in our mind. And on all the rest of it, it was a repeating pattern of Scott had why I'm go out and go, now that our minds are one. And then I would say, think, give thanks to each of the specific elements. And then I would finish with saying, and now that it's all, let it be that way in our minds. And the different elements I talked about, well, the first one was the people, all of the people. <clears throat> and then Mother Earth, and then the waters, and then the grasses, and then the medicine plants, and then the fruits, and the strawberry, which is a very special medicine plant. Not the commercial strawberry, there's a natural wild strawberry, and that's the one that we were referring to. And then we talked about the, the trees and the forest, and specifically, and the next one I talked about was the maple, because <coughs> maple syrup is very big for, for our people. Then we talked about the animals, and then we talked about the birds. And then we talked about the, the three sisters, corn, beans, and squash. They sustain us. They're very important to the, to the Haudenosaunee people. And we talked about the wind and the thunders. And we talked about our elder brother, the sun, and our grandmother, the moon. And we talked about the stars. And Talk about Handsome Lake, who was one of our spiritual leaders. And then we talked about the Creator. And then I talked that, that I'm now capable of bringing these words together to you in this opening address. And this is as far as I've learned so far. And so let it be that way in our minds. Then I finished with Donnie Hose, means that is all. And a lot of times when we, you know, especially like, a couple months ago, at the time of Thanksgiving, you know, we, us natives are talking. We're like, we kind of find it funny that there's a special day for Thanksgiving because, you know, like has been mentioned in all of that's been brought about today is, you know, we give thanks for everything every day. You know, just like that, that little kid back there said, everything. That's what it's all about, giving thanks for everything that we have. You know, her words are so true, you know. Those are the best words of thanks there. It's that everything. It's not just one particular thing. It's like everything. And we do that every day, not just one particular day of the year. And, you know, I only have a shorter version of this because our languages were taken from us. You know, my grandfather talked about being beaten for speaking Cherokee in the boarding schools. And my great niece now, she's a She's what we call a first language learner. First language speaker, actually, not learner. She, 
she was brought up speaking the language. And you know, I was talking to one of the other people in the language program back home, and he says, she's the first one in two generations. And I looked at him and I said, well, in our family, it's four generations that we have, we've had a first language speaker. You know, my, my grandfather, at least three of my parents were, grandparents were, were first language speakers, but neither of my parents learned. And my siblings, we didn't learn either, and neither did any of our nieces and nephews as a first language. You know, it's my great niece, my, my brother's daughter. You know, she's the one that's a first language speaker. And a funny little story is that, you know, some of the other, because my niece had gone to, had gotten, she'd gotten, we didn't have, we had to take a foreign language, you know, and she was allowed to take, my niece was allowed to take Seneca as her foreign language requirement. So they've just changed it now to a language requirement. Because <clears throat> it's kind of funny that you took, had to take Seneca as a foreign language. <laughs> but anyway, so, so she, that's, that was her introduction to, to being a speaker. And then as she, when she became a young adult, she went to one of the uh, Tom Porter's group in Kandujahari, uh, which means the, the clean pot. He's got a re language revitalization and, and a culture revitalization center. And, she started learning Mohawk, because all of the languages are similar among the Iroquois, but there's still some differences. You know, like the Senecas will say Nyawe, and the Mohawks will say Nyameha. So they're similar, but then some words are different too. You know, like the Senecas say Ojiketa and Awanawanta for sugar and salt. Well, the Mohawks also say those two words for, mo for sugar and salt, except they have them the other way. So I'm, I'm thinking it has to do with its characteristics, you know? So you gotta know who you're talking to because otherwise you could have some salty coffee, you know? <laughs> but you know, the, the iron, you know, so you know, language revitalization is a, is a big thing, you know? You know, I'm really proud of my, well, my niece for becoming, you know, as some of the other language instructors are telling me that she, she's one of the more fluent speakers now, you know? And that my niece is a first language speaker. It's just, you know, it's really proud. But it's, you know, there's an irony in that too, you know, because the native languages were used in both World War I and World War II as codes. They were the only codes that were never broken. And, but the irony is that at the same time, the children were in the schools, the boarding schools, being beaten for speaking their languages. So, you know, there is that irony, but, you know, we give thanks that that, as many of the languages that have survived have survived, you know, and that there's work being done to, to save the languages. You know, I met a guy one time, and by meeting him, I met 20% of the fluent speakers of his language. That meant there were only five. But he didn't let that stop him. You know, he created books for the children to learn the language. You know little kids' books for the, for the language, you know. Even though he knew there were only five of them left, and you know, he, said, he said we lost two in the, in the past three years. You know, he didn't let it stop him. He was there trying to revive it as much as he could, you know. And he was thankful that he had that opportunity to, and you know, that made me think about, you know, like what we're talking about today, you know, be, being thankful for all the things that we've been given for the day, you know. Even if it is a cold day, it's still, we're still thankful for the day, you know. We, we got to see this day, you know. When we went to bed last night, there wasn't a guarantee we'd be, be here to see this day, you know. And I'm thankful for this opportunity to be here and share these words and 
share some of our thoughts and some of my thoughts with you, and I'm thankful for what you're all doing for your communities. Taniwa.